We always seem to be just one step ahead of the news on this podcast. Yes. Last week we were talking about dodgy developers and they're having the same DNA as criminals. And this week we find out that David Chandler has said that a developer, who he has described as dodgy, uh, Hmm. tried to implicate him in demanding bribes. Hmm. So we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about next phase of David Chandler's work, which is remediation of buildings that are less than six years old have defects. And you're going to tell us about things that are happening on the lower north shore of Sydney. Yeah, about revitalising CBDs. Yeah, mm. okay. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. That was a bit of a stunning piece of news that came out last week. It was, wasn't it? About the bribe? Yeah. I mean, so according to the Sydney Morning Herald and according to David Chandler at a parliamentary estimates committee meeting, he was talking about the top place group whom he has identified in the past as being, or or they have been named in parliament as dodgy developers. Mm. And they have this very flamboyant CEO, Jean or Jean Nassif, mm. um, who's, you know, typical of that kind of person. You know, he was famous for giving his wife a bright yellow Lamborghini. And of course, that appeared all over social media, etc. They've got a development called Skyview. I think it's in Castle Hill, which David Chandler had slapped an order on saying, they should not sell any more apartments until they'd fixed defects in the building. According to his testimony at the committee, the parliamentary committee, he was at a meeting with them to discuss this, and one of the top place executives, who is not named, read out an email saying, put $5 million into a trust account and we can make the Skyview problem go away. Wow. I mean, you know, there's a couple of things that occur. I mean, he, and he said he wanted this. He told them, oh, well, just take that straight to the police because mm. that's yeah. extortion. And, and they declined to do that. But then he heard that a journalist had been briefed by somebody saying, did you know David Chandler is corrupt and he's asked for $5 million? As a bribe. As a bribe. And even then, Fair Trading Minister... Kevin Anderson had somebody come up to him at a meeting and saying, how do you feel about your building commissioner being corrupt? It's incredible, isn't it? My God. So obviously somebody is working on the basis that if you, it's the old Trump thing, you know, if you tell a lie often enough, then it eventually becomes the truth. Because people think, oh, there's no smoke without fire. And so, maybe yeah. if there's something dodgy going on, oh. Yeah. And I'm amazed that this kind of stuff happens. I mean, it used to happen in the old, bad old days. Yes. But I'm amazed it still happens today. I'm amazed at how stupid, well, the, the person who came up with this plan, it's kind of disappointing that our alleged criminals are so dim that they would think that this would work. <laughs> well, it's reassuring that they're so dim, well, I think, I, Jimmy. Yeah. That, that's, you don't want to be disappointed. I in think them. we deserve a better, a better calibre of criminals. <laughs> 
And the other thing is that anybody would think, and, you know, David Chandler, there's no way he's corrupt in any way or sense at all. But that they would think if he was, he would send an email. (laughs) You know, he he might as well wear a T-shirt saying, give me five million and I'll go away. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's it's quite preposterous, isn't it? Really, you know, to think that you know, like I suppose in the past, politicians have admitted receiving money from developers and then have voted, yeah, you know, at local yeah. council level or state level or whatever, and have then voted on their developments, voted to approve them, or perhaps you know, stood aside and certainly not voted against them, and maybe even um, spoke on their behalf. But, you know, like somebody in David Chandler's position, to think that he could be bought off for five million. Mm, or any sum, actually. Oh, but, yeah. Sure. But then we, then we had that case of the, the um, Eddie Obeid and, and uh, the, the mining minister, and they're up to their armpits in dodgy dealings. Um, you know, and there's various trials mm. been going on, and Eddie Obeid went to jail briefly. Mm. Uh, you think, you know, the, that old saying, money is the root of all evil. Well, mm. it's actually the fool saying is the love of money is the root of all right. evil. Yeah. And that's yeah. a big, that's a different thing, yeah. you know. And, and it's people who have a lot who just need to have more mm. by whatever means. And mm. also people who get into politics, who feel privileged, you know, that entitled, I should say. Um, to get whatever they can get out of it. And there are, mm. the vast majority of politicians are people who get into it because they believe in something. Mm. But there are actually, there are others who just see it as an opportunity to, to enrich themselves. Or when that opportunity comes along, they grab it. Mm. This kind of puts the whole Eleni Petinos thing in a slightly different context. Yeah. In, in that, be. and I'm sure, the the Premier knew about this approach to David Chandler because I think it was reported to ICAC. So certainly the the fair trading um secretary would have would have known about it. Mm. And I think I got a feeling that when there were complaints about the approach to coronation property and John Barolaro asking David Chandler to reconsider and go and talk to them and stuff. I wonder if the Premier just went, oh, this is too much. Mm. There's too much of this going on. Sure. I've got to cut it out, stop it. I'm not saying that Eleni Petinos was in any way involved with the top place group. No, or... Or indeed was corrupt or or anything like that. But when the stuff, as you said, you know, people are very quick to say, oh, there's no smoke without fire. Mm-hmm. You know, which is is all it takes to destroy somebody's reputation and their career. And I, and I wonder if the premier, although he's not admitting as such, has gone. There's there's too much smoke around here. I need to just clear it all out. Yeah, and there's too much at stake as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those are just two examples we kind of know about. You, you kind of think there's probably a lot more example, there's a lot more instances of that happening that we just don't know about. Well, that's true because mm. not everybody is stupid enough to try and do something as blatant mm. with somebody who, who who knows exactly how these things work. Because he's mm. been in the, you know, David Chandler's been in the building industry for fifty years. Mm. He's will have seen it all from just about every angle, and he would know. <laughs> 
all you know he it's one of these situations where he did exactly the right thing he said call the police tell mm. the police about this mm. and basically called a bluff yeah absolutely so uh yeah interesting interesting times no wonder he felt that he really had to have the support of the government to do that job and if that support wasn't forthcoming he didn't want to do that job anymore yeah because i mean what a tough job and if you had, you know, a minister not 100% behind you, I mean, yeah. how could you possibly hope to survive and thrive? You have to be squeaky clean. Mm. They just, you know, there's no other, there's no grey area there. No, it's all or nothing, yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a little break and come back. We'll talk a bit more about David Chandler and um, what he is up to now when he is not being <laughs> undermined by politicians and property developers. It's after this. So what is David Chandler up to at the moment, Sue? Well, one of the things he's doing, he's appearing at an urban task force um, conference next Friday. Mm. And uh, Who are the urban task force? They're the group of developers have got together and, you know, kind of talk about development, really. So he's speaking at the conference, and also Victor Dominello is appearing at the conference as well. Right. So we should we expect a big announcement, do you think, from David Chandler? Well, it's possible, Or Victor really. Dominello, in, in fact. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I mean, the two of them appearing side by side is still quite rare, really. Yeah. Um, especially after everything that's happened. So maybe, maybe Victor Dominello is giving him... Um, a bigger staff, perhaps, because he wants to expand his work. We know about that. Mm. I, I don't know. Or maybe they're kind of going to develop in a different, in another direction as well. Well, I think one of the things he's been talking about is now that he has, at the very least, put the cat among the pigeons in terms of new and upcoming developments, mm. and and certainly set up the infrastructure so that they can control the quality of buildings that are being built. He's now, I believe, going to be looking at recent builds, the, the, the blocks that are under six years old, who are still within a warranty period, but who have defects. Ah, and so the owners of those apartments will be kind of thinking about taking legal, legal action against developers or, mm. or negotiating with developers for settlements to, yes. to, um, to correct the defects but maybe you're having problems. So he might come along and give them a helping hand then. Well, this is what is unclear at the moment. We know that's what he wants to do, but how he's actually going to make that work. Clearly, he's not a man who is keen to build huge bureaucratic infrastructures. Mm. Um, he does favour a much more direct approach, certainly in, in the development side mm. you know where he's basically said let's look at these these certifiers and identify the ones who are linked with the most number of failed projects and let's look at the ones that are linked with the the most number of builders who've gone phoenixing you know have gone into liquidation mm. and just got that venn diagram and and said, right, these certifiers are at the root of the problem. They're, at the very least, they're enablers for the dodgy developers. And that has been very effective. Now, obviously, that can't necessarily happen with buildings that have been completed but have defects. 
the big problem there is where the owner's corporation has to first of all identify the defects and then they've got to try and get the and they've got to give the builder the first chance to come and fix them as we know only too well there can be a process of slowing down and nods and winks and uh, the chairpersons of these strata committees can actually be helping the developer to not have to fix the problems often it's a case of you know the developer sort of duchesses them you know tells them that they're oh mate don't worry about it we'll get it done you and me you know you're a smart bloke we'll get this fixed between us and then two or three years pass and nothing gets done Mm. i'm sure he has formulated a plan to cut through all that and help people who need to get their defects fixed get it done that'll be fascinating to see what he comes up with really Mm. And there'll be a lot of people in, in that situation because we've had a, a huge number of buildings underway over the last five years. Yes, and we also have people who are much more aware of their rights. Mm. Yeah, much more educated yeah. kind of apartment buyer. Yeah, so people are, are, are not just putting up with whatever their building manager or strata manager says because mm. often, not often, but occasionally those people are in cahoots with the developer as well. So that's an interesting thing. Yeah. But another thing he spoke about uh, a while ago, and I think this is what he calls encoring buildings. Mm. And this is where you've got a large number of older buildings that are getting to their end of their designed lifespan. So they're still standing, they, they're still habitable, but they need work. And he is concerned that a lot of the remediation work that's going on in these buildings is just not up to standard. Oh, God. But That's a real issue, isn't it? Yeah, but there's no structure in there for checking, you know, partial uh, remediation of older buildings because mm. it's seen as a kind of renovation rather than a, a build. Mm. So I think he may well be looking at that if not now, in the near future. Well, that's a really good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah, you, you get, a, you know, an inexperienced um, group of apartment owners. I mean, when I say inexperienced, I mean, we're all inexperienced. and we're, None of us are construction experts, really. Yes, right. Very yeah. few of us. And, um, you know, we'll go along, we'll have guidance from our strata manager, our building manager. We'll, we'll get three quotes from different companies to fix our defects. Mm. We'll go with the one that we you know, think is okay or is the cheapest. And really, there's not much... I guess it has to be certified, though, doesn't it, the work? Well, that, I think that's the question. Does it have to be certified? Who who comes in? I mean, basically, you say you, you've got to have your tradespeople, your builder, whatever, they have to be insured and certified. But the actual work that is The actual work that there's done, who's so, checking that? Yeah. So you might have real problems within your six years... You might think you've got them all fixed and then eight years along the track when you're no longer under warranty, that work disintegrates yeah. or is proven to, to not be up to the task. And there's also the question of in doing the work to remediate older buildings, you might find more serious problems. Mm. And if somebody in the strata committee goes, oh, just, can you just cover that up? Mm. <laughs> I'd quite like to sell my apartment when everything's looking nice and new. Or also the company itself, they're contracted to do a certain job. And if they see the jobs blowing out into something much bigger, they may go back to the strata committee and say, look, this is the issue. But they, they might be 
in the mind that they might lose the original job. Mm. Or they might think, well, I'll get a much bigger job. But, you know, so it's kind of, there's lots of imponderables there, really. Lots of moving parts. Mm. And I think that's the, again, that's a problem where there's not going to be one simple solution, but there may be a strategy, an overall strategy that will uh, help with some of these things. Mm. Mm. Just one thing that has occurred to me today, you know, like if you do a major renovation on your own home, your house you've got to go and get certified by the local council you've got to do a it's i think it's it's still the case you've got to do a a course to show that you're capable of doing a certain amount of work in your own house Mm. that might have changed um but you know it was based on the value of the work that you were doing What, what qualifications do you need to be a property developer i don't know you probably have to do a one-week course. I don't think you even do that. <laughs> I think you turn up at bank with some drawings. You say, "I'm going to buy this piece of land. I'm going to get. I'm going to build these apartments here. Lend me the money to get started, and then I will sell the apartments mm. and make the money that way, and you'll get your money back." Mm. It requires. It's the kind of thing you feel, given the history of what has happened in property development. You feel that maybe a um, police check would be a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. And also for somebody to to sit them down and look at the accounts of, you know, the figures, the the projected figures for these apartments. Well, Well, banks would do that, wouldn't they? And they would also look at their creditworthiness. Well, they'll look at their creditworthiness, but will they say, okay, we've done a forensic analysis of your plan and to sell these properties at that price, this is the quality of build that you're going to have and it's not mm. going to be good enough. Mm. Yeah, You're going to have to make shortcuts. Yeah. So, I mean, no. the last thing the government wants is to put barriers in the way of property development because we need to build houses. Mm. But there should be some sort of check in there that somebody in that company or they have access to somebody in the company who can look at that and say, look, if you build these apartments to sell at this price, it's going to be a three-star development rather mm. than a five-star development. Yeah. On that note, we'll take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Lower North Shore. That's after this. Here at Flat Chat, we're always telling people that one of the benefits of apartment living is that you can just lock up and leave when you want to take a holiday. Well, if you're looking for some inspiration on where to go to make the most of your freedom, take a look at mildrover.com, our website for seasoned travelers. It has news, reviews, and special travel deals in which you can literally save thousands of dollars. That's M-I-L-D-R-O-V-E-R.com, the website that takes you somewhere fantastic even if you don't leave home. All right, so what's happening in Sydney's lower North Shore? Yeah, well, as you know, it's kind of the second, Sydney's second or third CBD. Because right. we've got the central Sydney CBD, we've got yeah. Parramatta, yeah. and we've got North Sydney. And I think the next one is Liverpool. Right. But um, the problem with the CBDs at the moment is after COVID, lots of people aren't going back in there to work. Right. Um, so lots of offices are still being really underutilised. There's not enough custom there to keep all the cafes and restaurants and businesses in the city centres going. Mm-hmm. 
So I think lots of CBDs are having to think about what they can do to bring more people in. Mm. And on the loan or shore, they're kind of quite advanced in their planning. And I think it's always been a little bit of a, a B-grade CBD in some ways. There's lots of um, office towers, but they're all they're all kind of B-grade and crumbling mm. a little bit and a bit dreary and um, old-fashioned. So companies, a number of companies have seen the potential and they've gone in there and they're either replacing those buildings with A-grade or premium-grade buildings, office towers, or um, renovating them and refurbishing them so they're at much better standard. But one of the things they're also doing is building a lot more apartments around that CBD. Mm. And uh, that that seems to be the secret behind rejuvenating the CBDs because if you can get a lot more um, residents into them, then hopefully it will become much more livelier long term. You know, at nighttime, right. the nighttime economy, weekends, it won't be so dead. Mm. And I mean, Clover Moore did that in the Sydney um, CBD a few years ago. She kind mm. of said, no, we need to get more people in. But now this idea is, has become supercharged because of COVID, really. Yeah. And um, in the low North Shore, they're, they're doing that. And the prices of property have been going up hugely. Really? Um, yeah, because it's becoming seen as a much more pleasant place to live really and it's a place where you can work quite close by Mm. and um you know it's it's pleasant it's green you've got the harbor closer to the to the water and you've got a lot of luxury properties as well as more affordable properties as well so the ones that are being built kind of cover a huge range of of apartment types all right so it's it'll be interesting to see how that develops so to speak yeah, absolutely. Because I think one of the apartment developers said that North Sydney is a sleeping giant, and it was always inevitable that it would wake up and then catch up to the to the rest of the CBDs around Australia. And, and it just seems to be all happening at the moment, really. So it's a really interesting. Keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Okay, um, we are pretty much out of time. Um, thank you very much for coming and chatting. We'll wait to see what announcements comes out of the urban task force meeting mm. i got a feeling it's going to be something quite big well you keep saying you're ahead of the news jimmy so let's see yes all right <laughs> you've got a reputation to safeguard now <laughs> thanks for coming in and talking to us and thank you all for listening bye bye Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week. Thank you.